Thanks for tuning in to episode 15 of the Heads and Tails podcast. This week we have our first baseball episode with Mickey Bruckner. Uh, He gives us a tremendous amount of knowledge on training, injury prevention, and also rehab. And he actually went through two Tommy John surgeries of his own. Um, So he gives us some insight in in terms of that recovery as well. If you haven't uh, subscribed on iTunes, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, you're definitely an L7 weenie. Yeah, yeah, Oscar Mayer even, footlong, Dodger dog, a weenie. This is Kevin Som, you're listening to the Heads and Tails Podcast. We share stories of perseverance and inspiration in sports and in life. All right, thanks for tuning in to episode 15 of the Heads and Tails podcast. This week we're uh, interviewing Mickey Bruckner. Uh, he's the founder and CEO of Annex Sports Performance Center, and he's also had he's a, a studly baseball player back in his, his heyday, and he was a pitcher, and he's went through a, a few Tommy John surgeries. So he's going to talk about, you know, kind of the mental battles that he might have faced during that and kind of for his recovery and, and what he's doing now to, to make an impact on other athletes who, who might be going through similar issues. So, Mickey, can you start by talking about when you started playing baseball and um, did you play any other sports growing up? Yeah, first of all, Kevin, thank you for the opportunity to come and speak with you today. Um, as far as baseball, I mean, my earliest childhood memories are picking up a ball and a bat with my father and playing Um I played pretty much any in, any in any sport I could play as a kid. I played football, basketball, soccer, hockey. Um, you know, I think those were kind of the main ones. But I really started to, to get into baseball as I was a high school athlete. So, All right, so baseball was always your number one. Yeah, typically. The, so as a kid, I would play that spring and summer and then other sports throughout the, throughout the year. Okay. But I would always, you know, I would do some hitting and throwing with my dad throughout the year. But, you know, baseball was kind of my passion. Uh, why? What made you love baseball more than the other sports? Uh, I was good at it. Uh, right, that helps yeah. compared to the other ones. Um, but there was just something about the game that that I enjoyed the the, the competitiveness, um, the amount of skill that went into it. Just something that I really liked. Um, I just I just liked the sport. It, it it bode well with with the things that I was good at, and I liked the team aspect of it. So were you always a pitcher, or when did I, you you start pitching? I pitched as a young kid. I uh, didn't pitch much through high school. Uh, I was a position player my whole life, so I was, you know, I was usually the better athlete on the field. But uh, in college, I I was continuing to to play positions, but you know, I had very good arm strength, so they kind of utilized that and and thought that there was a potential of me becoming a, a pitching prospect. So I pitched as well as play positions while I was in college as well. So okay, but I'm assuming you could swing a little bit too, since they had you at uh, yeah, absolutely. Position, I was yeah. a a power hitter who was a switch hitter, so. Uh, oh, and that wow. was kind of the dilemma. They didn't know whether or not they wanted to me to keep me as a pitcher or a hitter. So. Okay. Um, can you talk about some of your accolades? You went to you played at Seton Hall Prep, which yep. is probably one of the best high school baseball programs in the country. And then you went on to play at Seton Hall and then uh, Arizona State. Can you kind of talk about? Yeah, absolutely. So um, in high school, I was at Seton Hall Prep. I played there all four years. Um, we won a state championship, uh, standout player there. Uh, I got a scholarship to Seton Hall University. Uh, out of out of high school and I played there for about a year and a half wasn't a great fit for me so I had an opportunity to go out to Arizona a scout with the Baltimore Orioles put me on a junior college team when I moved out there uh, halfway through my sophomore year right because you had to when you when you transferred you had to sit out a year absolutely right? yeah. so that was a good opportunity for me they were they were projecting me in the top five to ten rounds as a pitcher and an outfielder uh, that year but that's when I blew out my elbow and had my first surgery that was 2003 so 
That was uh, about two months before the draft. And then I basically had surgery that May. Right. So can you talk about like the actual moment of like when you hurt your elbow? Like, did you, did you know right away or what, what, what thoughts were going through your head at that time? Well, I was, I was at a point in the year where things were going really well. Everything was kind of clicking and it was, it was pretty exciting for me. And, and I, I had high, high expectations and the moment of the injury, there was pretty much no doubt, you know, I was pitching in a, in a, in a big game, in a big situation. I was pressing a little bit too much. I had, I had been experiencing some arm pain throughout the beginning part of the year, but just kind of threw through it um, because I'd go out on the mound and I wouldn't have any issues. But so I went out and was in a big situation, uh, threw a pitch, immediately felt something in my elbow. And I basically had to call my coach in and have me take him, uh, take me out of the game. So, so when you said that you had elbow pain before um, or like throughout that season, where in your elbow was it feeling? Was it elbow pain or? You- yeah, medial elbow pain right at the area of the, the onoclateral ligament. And then it officially, you know, completely blew uh, in one pitch. So, And is that usually the case for most pitchers that they feel pain first, like coming it, into it or can it just like I think a lot of, sudden, of guys it's it's uh for some guys it's a steady buildup and there's never one acute incident it's more or less just that you know they get to a point where it's just unbearable the pain for me it was it was manageable when I played in games I maybe it was adrenaline maybe it was just you know the the, the setting that it, it didn't bother me uh, I threw I would do like bullpens and stuff throughout the week you know during during the week out, outside of games and it would give me some irritation but during the games I wouldn't feel anything and I you know my my performance didn't didn't dictate anything was wrong uh and then you know just one day it just it just blew so right so this was you said this was three weeks out from the draft uh about two months oh two months sorry uh so two months out from the draft so what was going through your head now where you you know you blew out your arm and that and you're two months out from the draft what kind of thoughts were going through your head at that moment um Usually I try to be optimistic about a lot of things. I was, you know, I, I, I tend not to dwell on things like that. So I, I use it as a, an opportunity to say, okay, well, you know, uh, I'll get the surgery. Uh, I was fortunate I was able to go out to Los Angeles to work with one of the guys out there who's the, who was the doctor at the time for the Angels. So he did my first surgery. And, you know, you look at a lot of those situations and there's, there's so much optimism. And, you know, they look at success rates. I think Tommy John's success rates are now... 95% for first-time surgeries. Um, so I, you know, I felt uh, that's a, those are pretty good statistics for me. Um, I'm I'm a very goal-oriented person. I figured if you know if there's anybody who could overcome this, it would be myself, and and I'd be back next year, and, and all things would be fine. Right. So. so you weren't like depressed, and you weren't like, all right, I'm gonna hang them up. Like you, you knew no. like you just got to work, and then you could. Yeah, I I was. It was just you know okay. It's a I had I. Had, through high school, I had ups and downs. I had injuries and things like that. And as an athlete, if those who really kind of continue and do well or those can kind of, they can deal with those ups and downs. And I felt I was pretty good at that point. So after the first surgery, I was optimistic. I didn't think there was nice. anything that would, would create any issues. Cool. So what was the rehab like for, for after the first surgery? Uh, it was, got into things pretty quickly, really just a couple weeks after the surgery. I was back in PT and working on range of motion and building up strength and then I, I think at that point in post uh, rehab protocol that, that a lot of these guys would start throwing three months I think they've now upped it to four months okay so I started throwing three months started throwing everything felt good and it wasn't until about maybe two months into my throwing program where uh, you know, I, to me I think it was maybe I was just throwing too hard and nobody regulated me well enough uh, so it was more or less the, the physical therapy side of things I don't think you know once once I got done with the surgery my elbow felt fine 
Um, so you but, think it was almost like mentally you're like, oh, okay, like I'm, I'm good because you didn't feel any pain or stuff like that. So yeah. you kind of pushed a little too yeah. hard, you said? Yeah. I mean, as an athlete, we, we just go out and compete, and that's what we do. Uh, and I think it was the job of the clinician to really say, okay, you're sh- you should be feeling good at this point, but don't don't press. And I think I was I just went out and threw at, uh, as I always knew how to throw, and that was just hard. Um, and and perhaps maybe if there was a little bit more regulation on that, that wouldn't have, wouldn't have happened. But uh, it was it was a Friday afternoon. I was it was right before Thanksgiving break. I was about ready to go home. I was a couple throws done with my my throwing program, and and I think it was the second to last throw. I f- I felt a twinge or tweak in my my elbow. Didn't feel good, but I didn't say anything. So I came back from Thanksgiving break and started picking up the next day, and I just couldn't throw. And I was like, something's seriously wrong. So, so basically, you tore it again, or it never quite set in. Never, or? never. I guess it never quite healed well enough. Um, you know, you look at the forces that are on the elbow when you throw baseball. You know that that it's it's far exceeds what all that connective tissue can really and truly handle. Right. So if there's something wrong, you're going to feel pain immediately. So. All right, so you went home for Thanksgiving break. The whole time in the back of your head, we're like, "Yeah, I'm, this this is not good." Yeah, there, it was something was up. But you know, I I, I tend to just kind of press on and and be optimistic, and oh, it'll get better. But it never did. Um, I came back, and then they they shut me down from throwing uh, for a month. Then tried throwing again, shut me down from throwing and rehab, changed rehab facilities, and so this was all over the the course of a year. So fast forward to about a year later, the doctor and myself, we couldn't figure out what was going on. So I went back and said, look, whatever it is, just let's do an exploratory surgery. Whatever it is, fix it, and, and we'll go from there. Um, so I woke up from my second surgery a year later uh, and realized that he had to redo it again because, you know, uh, from the first surgery, they took the, the graft from my, my throwing arm. The second surgery, they had to take it from my left arm. So when I woke up with both arms wrapped in bandages, I knew that, that it was done again. So. Um, but it was, again, I was, I was optimistic, but you know, it, it, they, I think they say now the success rates for second time, Tommy John's are down to 30% now. Do you know why that is? Uh, you know, I think a lot of the doctors you'll ask, there's multiple things. I just think, um, I think physiologically your body, you know, you, you, you come back after a long hiatus and you just build up all this tolerance as an athlete year after year after year that you miss out on when you're when you're out of the game um i think there's a lot of times the game's not going to wait for somebody who's going to bid out for three years because there's plenty of other athletes who are talented who are healthy who are you know just as good right that they'll they'll take a risk on those guys rather than somebody who's had two surgeries and and there's a lot of question marks so but i think you know i think it's just as as an athlete um at that stage you just you've been out of it for so long so i think your body just can't keep up um but for me, I think it, that that was more or less the case. So I had I started to have shoulder injury, shoulder issues the year I got back after my second surgery. So, I mean, I was out of the game for about three years. So, so when did you realize that you 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 know I'm sure like every kid you dreamt of playing in the yep. major leagues. Um, so what what was going through your head when you realized like I, I I'll never make it to the major leagues and like achieve your goal? You say you're a very goal oriented yeah. guy. And you, yeah, uh, I mean it was. It was a tough pill to swallow because it was, you know, since I was younger, I, that's all I ever wanted to do. Um, but uh, I was, I was pretty fortunate that outside of baseball, my my biggest passion was training. Um, and I, you know, what throughout this whole process, I kind of, uh, rather than putting all my focus on baseball and doing all my training when I couldn't do that, I would just focus on reading books and 
on my schoolwork. I, you know, I was a kinesiology major, so that was something I wanted to do even before any of this stuff happened. So oh, that's I, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So it, well, I went into school knowing that this is what I wanted to study, but once the injuries kind of came along and had those issues, I just kind of dove into this, you know, all, all, all in. So every opportunity I had, I did internships uh, with some of the training facilities out in Arizona. A lot of them more baseball focused. Um, and then I also used a lot of my firsthand experience going through two surgeries. And then I, you know, the facility I did all my PT at second time around, they were, uh, they had a contract with the Angels and the Cubs. They did all their, their minor league and, and pro ball PT. Um, so all the experience I gained from being around that, uh, being around those professional players, those clinicians, all those guys, I learned a lot. I did internships there and then ultimately worked there after I had graduated. So that was, that was basically for three years I was at the same facility learning from all these different people. I'm sure you so, learned a ton there, yeah. Yeah, so it was it was a, a unique experience, but I knew that for me to really kind of grow as a trainer, I, I had to soak it all in and, and you know, and, and learn as much as I could. So, What were some of the biggest, like, takeaways you got from those internships and those experiences in terms of training? Like, were there anything that like you had never seen before it was like innovative or on the cutting edge and like things that you still use today that you learned uh, from those experiences yeah i think uh during that period in the strength and conditioning world you started to see the shift from just straight powerlifting and 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 bodybuilding to more functional training um so i was kind of at the the forefront of all that uh so i was exposed to that early on in my training process i started to see the holes in the things that i used to do as an athlete training and the people i worked with um but you know, to no fault of their own, that that information was never out there. Um, but what I what I really focused on and, and learned and, and now really apply to my my training uh, is that, you know, as an athlete, it doesn't matter how big and strong and fast you are. But if if you're doing the wrong things and you're not focusing on injury prevention, if you get injured, it doesn't make a bit of difference. Exactly so, right. And that's, yeah, that's do it the right way. Yeah. Absolutely. That and that's the biggest caveat is that, you know, I, that's what I that's what I do with my 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 athletes now is I focus I I mean I do a lot of performance training I got to make sure that they're they're improving um but at the at the innate within everything I'm doing is is building injury prevention so right I think that's a good segue into talking about how you started the Annex Sports Performance Center and Annex CrossFit um so can you talk about that that whole process yeah absolutely so I was when I was in Arizona um I would I had graduated and I was working out there for about a year. Uh, and then I had the opportunity through a friend um, to come back and uh, put me in touch with, with some people here. And and so what happened was, is with these people, I, I was an employee and I started the Annex with them. Uh, and that was in 2006. Uh, and that was kind of the start of everything. And we were in a, a small basement in a in an office complex, maybe 1,000, 1,500 square feet, eight foot ceilings, barely enough room to fit a squat rack. Um, and that's kind of where it all began, but you know, that's, I had a lot of goals and ambitions there. I wanted to continue to grow. Yeah. You were never afraid to work. Like you said, like, Absolutely. You, always, yeah. you know, I think that's, that was never an issue. And I kind of, I, I learned that as an athlete, you know, I, I, I worked for, for every bit of, of opportunities I had as an athlete. And then the same thing since I, since I've been training. So from there I, in 2008, we moved and then I became, uh, an owner of the annex and gradually built up my, my ownership. Uh, from that point but you know since day one my biggest thing is making sure I'm doing the best for for the athletes making sure they're staying healthy um, and performance like I said is, is important but at the end of the day like I got to make sure that they're out on the out on the mound they're out on the field every day staying healthy so 
Right. How do you guys approach injury prevention and also rehab? I know you guys have physical therapy actually in-house. So how how did that relationship start? And do you guys do any kind of like baseline, you know, figure like functional movement screen type things before the athletes, you know, start working with you guys? Absolutely. I think really the only way you can truly approach injury prevention is by individualizing training for each athlete. And that really just comes with with a, a quality movement screen, just a functional assessment, and just overall biomechanical assessment. So a lot of the stuff I do is day one. My my assessment process for baseball athletes was much different than what it is now. I used to do more performance stuff like what's your vertical, what's your broad jump, what's your five ten five, and just basically basically performance stuff. But now it's really shifted to what's your joint range of motion? Do you have an adequate enough joint range of motion, lo- lower body, upper body? You know, do you have any postural asymmetries? Do you have any, you know, pelvic dysfunction? Um, so a lot of my, my learning has come through like PRI stuff, through FMS, um, through a lot of just reading and, and, and kind of getting as much knowledge and exposure. Yeah, to not that just stuff. like a weekend course of uh, yeah, getting absolutely. your personal training certification. Yeah, yeah you have like um, a ton of knowledge. It's obvious. But, uh, and, and that's just come with time. I, I think I've assessed, you know, thousands of athletes at this point, you know, and, and that's, like I said, my assessments evolved, but that's truly where injury prevention starts because you can't really address a mo- an athlete's dysfunction unless you truly know what's limiting them. Um, right. And that, that in and of itself will enhance performance as well. But, you know, for me, that's, that's the only way I can truly uh, address each athlete's dysfunction, you know, individual by individual, so. Can you think of any examples of like athletes who have come in here who you've seen a a dysfunction in their movement and addressed it and, you know, seen a really big increase in performance? Yeah, a lot of the athletes I I see are, you know, I'll I'll have athletes come in who are completely healthy, uh, no issues, no, you know, uh, completely asymptomatic. But then also get athletes that, that have come to me to say, you know, I'm just coming off an arm injury. Uh, I want to I want to get back in the game, and so I, usually I'll address. Usually there's some type of scapular humeral uh, dysfunction. Uh, I'll see a lot of hip stuff. I'll see a lot of low back stuff in in the rotational sport athlete. So it's just a matter of you know addressing if they've got any pelvic dysfunction. You know if there's any asymmetries there. That's typically where you really have to start. Um, once you kind of clear up a lot of the stuff there, stuff below the chain and above the chain kind of work themselves out to an extent, and then you kind of just it's just a process of elimination. So. You start to see trends in athletes who come in with the same dysfunction and the same injuries over and over again. You start to learn how to uh, to address those things more efficiently and quickly. So, uh, what do you? What are your thoughts on sports specialization and overuse injuries? And uh, I mean, a lot of people say that, um, like the Tommy John injury is largely due because kids just play baseball now. They don't have those sports in between where you know they their arms get a break from from throwing. Yeah, I think um, I think a lot of the, the the increased injuries in baseball, especially just simply because that's my 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 exposure, um, is really largely due in part to the the repetitive stress, the, the 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 fact that these kids are playing the same sport over and over again. And I think at the higher levels, the college, the professional level, uh, they've seen a lot more incidents of injuries in those athletes as well. And it's because these guys are now products of specialization. So when I was in college we were maybe like the first string of athletes who truly played one sport all year round. Um, but now it's, it's the norm, you know, back then it was kind of the exception. And, and, but I, I, I really think that, you know, you take a relatively young athlete who hasn't gone through puberty, who's, you know, physically speaking, you know, immature, right. And, and you're expecting them to play a sport all year round that 
you know, in and of itself is is very taxing and stressful for an adult male who's trying to do it as a pref- profession. And they've got, you know, all the support staff in the world and they're struggling to stay healthy. So, you know, the expectation that these young athletes who are physically, you know, not even fully grown and going through puberty and, and, and doing it well and, and doing it successfully without getting injured, it's, it's just not going to happen. So I, you know, I've had athletes come to me who were, I, I had a 13-year-old uh, couple, like a last year who, who came to me with, who had just come off Tommy John and he knew my experience that I've worked with athletes like that. And so I, I, we're, we're still now going through his rehab, rehabilitation process. But, you know, it's, I, I think really it's just, it's the nature of the sport is the nature of the sport. That's never going to change. But it, I, I think the system has to change a little bit in terms of really looking at the side of player development and how we're, we're addressing one of these kids playing and maybe be a little bit more selective with what showcases kids go to. Because I think that's never going to change. But I think if kids and coaches are a little bit more on the, the side of education on when these kids, rather than going to a showcase in November, do it in, in July and in August when these guys are, are primed and ready to, to go out and throw in front of a radar gun. So Right. Um, what was I going to say? I had a question brewing in my head, and then I for, just forgot it. Oh, do you think that um, you could be an elite baseball player in today's era of sports specialization and not be uh, and not specialize in only baseball? Absolutely. I think with with uh, a lot of the, the high volume and repetitive stress of the sport, a lot of these kids, they could they could really benefit from doing cross training and doing other things um, because, you know, it's it's a very skill oriented sport. Um, it's not all just just about athleticism. So if, if you take an athlete who's who can build his athleticism in, in the offseason, that's only going to help them. But I, I really think it's the issues with that are kind of hindering these kids is that they're, they're, they're playing too much, they're playing too often. The amount of volume that they're competing at is, is just far exceeds what they can handle. So it gets them into trouble at, a, at an early age, so it's kind of shortening the lifespan of these athletes. So uh, I, I think the, uh, the benefits from playing other sports are, are, are great for, for, for any athlete, uh, especially baseball. But I, I don't think that they're going to be limited in any way because they're not playing in the fall or playing in the winter. I think it helps them out, in fact. so. All right, good. That's a good piece of advice there. Um, do you guys address any of, like, the mental aspect of, you know, rehabbing from injuries? Um, because, as you know, I'm sure, like, it, it could be a, a dark place sometimes when you, like, don't know if you're ever going to play again. And you see all your buddies out there playing, but you're out there, you know, watching yeah, them. It's, I, I, would, I wouldn't say we do it directly, but I think – I think that's the beauty about training is that there, there's always going to be a mental component. It's always going to build mental strength. It's always going to help you uh, be consistent and, and press when, when, when you have adversity. Um, you know, I, I think there's times where we've had athletes who are coming back from injury, and I'm sure you've seen it. You know, they get down and, and, and they start to get negative, and, they're, and same thing. They just they're, 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 they don't know if they're going to play again, so we can kind of empathize with that. But really, it's that's kind of when I would take the kid aside and, and just say, look, you know, this is part of it. This is why it's it's you know they 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 the success rates aren't you know are the way they are because you know there's so many other things outside of just physical and physiological components that that are going to dictate whether or not you're successful with this whole process. It's not just a black and white process. There's so much gray area that people don't really ever tell you. When you get into it, it's you know it's never as simple as oh I'll get the surgery I'll do the PT I'll do what I need to do and I'll be fine, you know there's ups and downs and you know they have that 
that very vague time period, oh, it's a 12 to 16 month process. Well, that's why it's a 12 to 16. I mean, that four months is a, <laughs> that's a pretty big, big difference. So that's kind of where it is, you know, because you never know what's going to happen. There's always certain situations that people can't account for. But right. Yeah, you can't control what happens to you, but you can always control how you respond to it. Absolutely. So, right. yeah, I like that quote. Um, do you regret anything during your career that you wish that you had done in terms of your arm and saving your arm? Uh, I wish I had been a little bit more outspoken about uh, when I when I had the the issues ongoing. So maybe maybe rather than just kind of, I, I think for me, I had the opportunity to get drafted, and that's what was kind of the the pressing matter is like, yeah, I, I was just, you know, I want to get through this. I want to get to the summer because I have this big opportunity. The last thing I want to do is tell people that my arms bothered me. Uh, obviously, in hindsight, you know, maybe it would have been better to be a little trying bit Trying to show that you're like tough or something, right? Yeah, I mean, or just, you know, I think a lot of times it's you, you don't want to tell people that you're injured. Um, and you figure it's as an athlete, you're like, you, you, oh, I'm untouchable. I, I, it's not going to happen to me. I'm exactly, gonna, right. Um, but I think now... And that's kind of, again, that's how I've molded my approach with my athletes. And it's always, to me, injury prevention and, and making sure you're looking out for yourself and being your, your own advocate, you know, as, as, especially with the population I deal with, with pitchers. And, um, you know, you look at pitchers with, uh, playing all year long, monitoring pitch counts and innings and all that stuff. You've got to be outspoken. You've got to speak up for yourself if, if you feel like you're tired or you're, you're you you're overdoing it you're you know your your pitching count is, is too high you know you have to speak up for yourself and you know because at the end of the day sometimes put yourself ahead of the team yeah at the which end of the is not really commonly accepted and it's these, yeah and that's the challenge with team sports is you don't want to be seen as the guy who who the is me guy take yeah your, take yourself out of the game right. but at the end of the day none of those guys are gonna get you to where you want to be and if you're not healthy that then none of it really matters so I think that that's a valuable lesson that I try and teach my kids. And, and I think that's something that at a young age, parents need to get along board with that, you know, and, and, and I, I wish more coaches had the, the, the athletes best interests at, at heart, but most of the time it's really not the case. So I think parents and athletes really need to speak up for themselves. So that's a great message. Uh, is there any particular exercises that you guys do for pitchers in terms of injury prevention that maybe I could like put in the show notes, like a YouTube video or whatever, like that's like commonly used? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of what we're doing with our athletes is just making sure they've got good rotator cuff strength. Um, we do a lot of just simple rotator cuff movements. Um, a lot of what we also also do is is scapular strength and stability. You guys do the crossover symmetry stuff, or no, um, not so much. I think that's a good just blanket general thing um, for athletes to do if they're not doing anything else. Um, but I think all of our arm care programs and and training and, and programming is all individualized. So it's all based on, you know, if an athlete has this dysfunction, they have to do this, or if they have, uh, you know they've got issues with uh, scapular positioning and you have to strengthen up certain muscles, that's very specific to that person. Um, but a lot of times it's, it's, you know, cuff muscles, uh, scap strength, all that type of stuff and making sure, you know, they've got good dynamic stability. So a lot of rhythmic stabilization stuff, manual therapy stuff. So things like that, that that's not that it's something you can't really get by doing band work. Oh, well, yeah, I, on your I, own, right? I prescribe more like band work as far as, you know, activation, cuff activation prior to throwing. Cause like a, a warm of, up, right? Absolutely. Um, 
because a lot of a lot of high school baseball athletes don't warm up properly they use throwing a baseball as an as an opportunity to warm up that's and, all i ever knew but yeah <laughs> normally my my general rule of thumb is as an athlete or a pitcher you, you should be sweating by the time you pick up a baseball if you're not you're using a baseball as a way to warm up then you're you're already behind the eight ball you're already setting yourself up for for an injury so interesting you know given the fact that half the season we play in cold cold weather um you know warm-up is so important no matter whether you're a starter or a reliever, you know, you, you, that's, that's, that's gets into, you know, prioritizing, making sure you're doing the right things. I think that's another, you know, that whole broad approach is what, what makes athletes jump levels and, and improve and, and, you know, takes a high school player, makes them a college player, makes a college player into a professional player. I think the guys who are successful long-term are the ones who are, who are prioritizing their health and wellness and things outside of the weight room, you know, eating, resting, doing all those things, um, recovery, all those things are super important. And it's, you know, it's obviously the information's out there, but it's those who choose to really utilize it and, and take advantage of it are those who are, are improving their game on a regular basis. So Right. That was actually one of my other questions. I think you, you partially answered it right there, but what's the difference in your mind between an elite athlete uh, to a, versus an average athlete from what you've observed? Is it it's that kind of thing like – you know, using the resources that you have around you to make you the best top possible athlete you could be and like the discipline to stick to it when all your friends are doing other other things or Yeah, I, I think I mean let's face it, there's always gonna be some of those outliers who are just that good who can kind of just roll out roll out of bed and, and compete. Um, but for the most part, you know, those guys who I think become good in college or go from college to the professional level, I think those are the guys who are, are willing to really handle the small details you know, making sure they're doing everything right. You know, guys who, rather than going out and, and going to bars with friends, you know, and putting putting a priority in rest and recovery, um, eating well, making right decisions. And I, and I think just, you know, I think you look at the guys and, and the ones who have a good approach in, in everything they do and they're professional about everything that they do. You know, everything is with a purpose rather than just kind of going through the motions. My um, baseball coach was huge on approach. Uh, yeah. In high school, yeah. yeah. Dan Widener, I don't know if you know Dan. No. Oh, okay. No. And, you know, so I think those are the guys who are successful because, you know, they can do things when nobody's watching. Um, I mean, I think given my perspective of I've worked with, you know, youth athletes all the way up to professional level baseball players, and I think the guys who handle the small details and are, are meticulous about doing things right and, you know, ultimately you can turn your back and, and you're not worried about them doing things improperly that you know they're going to do everything to get themselves better i think those are the guys who are are, are typically because you know you look at that level it's a percentage of a percentage you know it's it, each each level you jump it gets even smaller and smaller and i think you know obviously the skill has to be there but i think once you get to that point it's the guys who do all the right things who are, are typically getting there so right um, a similar question, what personality traits have you seen in athletes who have had injuries and have overcome them that seem to be that seem to lead to their success as opposed to other ones who might not be successful if it's somewhat in their control? Um, I think the guys that are willing to be optimistic about it uh, and and just consistently persistent about it, you know, just showing up every day willing to put the time in. And, and and know that some days are going to be good, some days are going to be bad. Um, you know, How do you deal with the bad days? Is, do you have any advice for those? Uh, just realize that they're going to come. And, and I think like any athlete, you know, you, the, the days that, that, are, that are good, take advantage of them and do, do the best you can. And then 
um, those bad days just just chalk it up for a, a, a bad day, and I think it, have a short memory about them. <laughs> yeah, I, I just forget about it. Um, you know, obviously there's times where some of the bad days they're they're consistent, and that's when things get rough. But uh, and that's where as a coach, like that's your job to be their support system. Right. And unfortunately, it doesn't always, you know, work out as as people plan. But you know, that's as a coach, your job is to be there and. and be a be a foundation for those guys and help help them get through whatever whatever they're going through so all right uh two more questions before we we uh and end this episode um how'd you get into the whole crossfit uh world and do you use crossfit in your training uh, for of the baseball athletes or how, how do you use that i typically don't really use any crossfit training with my baseball guys um couple reasons is you look at a lot of the movements in CrossFit they're all sagittal plane movements um, whereas mostly things that we do in baseball they're all multi-planar you know transverse and, and frontal plane stuff so um, very little lateral movement in CrossFit so that's another uh, another thing and you know the biggest thing for me is just you know the energy systems you know baseball athletes they don't need to be uh, right killing themselves yeah they don't need to be doing like 20 minute workouts and and nonstop because you look at every every single movement on a baseball field it's done with full recovery you know i think at most an athlete will run to run out a double or a triple and that's you know 15 seconds of work so that's and then they'll have full recovery with that so i think on an energy systems demand it it doesn't always bode well um Obviously, we do, you know, we'll, we'll squat, squat and deadlift and, and do pushing and pulling patterns. It was like base strength. Yeah, yeah so, uh, I, you know, I, I do a lot of powerless with my baseball athletes. I don't do a lot of barbell benching or barbell overhead pressing. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, I think CrossFit has a lot of great things about it, that, which is ultimately what got me into it. You know, I just choose not to use it with my, with my overhead throwing and rotational sport athletes. Makes sense, yeah. But I think there's a lot of good things that uh, that CrossFit does and gives to you know other athletes like maybe a hockey player, or f- uh, a football athlete, or a, a basketball athlete. You know the metabolic component that that utilizing CrossFit does bode well for those athletes because they they don't always have full recovery in what they're doing. You know they need to be able to move quickly and efficiently under fatigue, right. which I think CrossFit does a good job in building just a good base of conditioning and and, and uh, aerobic capacity. So. Um, but really what got me into to CrossFit was uh, I just stumbled upon it back in, I think it was 2008. And I just, I, I just officially gotten, you know, I'd stopped playing baseball. I was looking for something that was competitive, but allowed. a new outlet. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I loved it. Um, it, it was tough initially trying to learn some of the movements because as a baseball athlete, we, we, I never really did an excessive amount of Olympic lifting. Uh, I very rarely did any you know overhead pressing um but i was good at like the squatting and deadlifting and uh, i i got pretty good at it quickly um just because i put the time in and and you know so i enjoyed it and and i you know i think as far as just building general fitness and and for anybody who's not doesn't have any specific sport pursuits i think it's an awesome awesome way of approaching fitness because it really exposes a lot of weaknesses and and most people you look at after sports, you know, they if they do fitness, they either lift weights or they run, and they very rarely do anything in between. So it kind of bridges the gap between all that stuff, which is what I really like. That I found CrossFit in kind of a similar way. Like when I couldn't play football anymore, I was like, all right, now what the hell do I do? It took me a little bit longer than it might have taken you, but I agree. From like a competitive standpoint and intensity level standpoint, it's kind of like fills a void that you you, know, you don't have from playing sports anymore. Absolutely. Um, all right, last question. 
Um, what advice would you give to athletes who sustain a career-ending injury? So if some kid walked in the door, one kid that you trained, um, he walked in the door today and said, oh, I can't play baseball anymore, um, what would you say to him? Uh, depending upon where they are in their life, uh, I mean, from my perspective, I was in college, so I think really making sure you prioritize education. Um, I mean, like I said, I was, I was fortunate that outside of baseball, I was very focused on school, so I was kind of doing that even before my injury happened. I just did all my extracurricular stuff once I got injured was all based on training. So. I think if you really focus and find something outside of sports that gives you somewhat of an identity, I think for me that was the biggest thing is that uh, in my family, in my friends, everybody saw me as a baseball player. And my whole identity was based around the game of baseball. And so when when I couldn't play baseball anymore, I think that was the biggest struggle. Uh, and then, you know, I, I think find something that, that you're passionate about. and and stick to that. You know, I, I was, like I said, I was fortunate. I, this is something that I always enjoyed training athletes and I, I love the training side of, of being an athlete. So it was a simple transition for me, but it's, I struggled a little bit to just find that identity. But I can think, you talk about how you struggled at all? Like, um, yeah, in, you know, specifically, how did um, you struggle? like I said, my, everybody in my circle of friends and family, they, they ever, you know, they, they, I was a baseball player. And they like expected you to be a professional baseball yeah. player. You know, given the success I had in high school and and all the time and energy I put into to baseball, um, when when the injury happened, you know, everybody similar to my approach, it was like, oh well, you know, you'll just get the surgery and everything will be fine and and you'll get back to playing baseball. Um, but you know, I I think all nobody ever saw from my perspective, you know, the issues I had throughout the whole PT process, throughout the whole recovery process. So. You know, I think I always knew that in, in the back of my mind that there was the possibility that this wasn't going to happen. So I think that's why I put so much focus on training and, and learning and doing all that stuff. So I think if you're an athlete who has something, find find what you're most passionate about, you know, like what, what you're doing now. You know, I think this is something that's amazing because most people don't talk about this side of, of at the all. injury that's, process. Yeah. And, you know, this is kind of like the big elephant in the room when you go to the doctor and you say, okay, well, you can get the surgery. The success rates are great. We're not going to talk about all the negativity that's based upon coming back from these injuries. We're just going to tell you about the good, the good, the, 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 good, the good stuff. Right. And so I think, um, you know, do your research on, on what avenue to go about. But I think if you're a college athlete or an athlete, really prioritize the importance of education and you know, figure out what you're passionate about, figure out what, what you enjoy to do most. Um, and I think, you know, we're, we're in a, in a position fortunately nowadays that if you, if you have goals, you want to accomplish something, you know, just spend every waking hour and every opportunity you have and, and learn from people that you can learn from and, and use every opportunity as a way to grow and, and, and build yourself up with whatever, whatever that might be. Right. You know, for me, it was this. So I, 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 that was my, my main focus once I, I shifted all my energy from baseball to this. So Awesome. Yeah, you're definitely paying it forward now. Um, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day for um, to do the interview. And also, can you kind of plug your website and whatever social media accounts you have? And I'll, I'll also put those in the show notes because um, this facility is amazing. If you're <laughs> in the northern New Jersey area, uh, you definitely and you're a baseball player. You definitely gotta check this place out. So uh, can you, you yeah. plug away? Yeah, I appreciate that. So our our website is uh, annexsportsperformance.com. Uh, we we have a Facebook and and Twitter and, and Instagram, all that stuff. So 
most of the information you can find on our website. Um, you know, we're, we're, uh, we, we try and do as much social media as we can, but we would kind of just let our, our, our training and, and all that stuff speak for itself. So awesome. And you trained Rick Porcello too, right? Yeah. I've worked with him since he was a senior in high school. So that's when I first came back from Arizona. And now he's with the Boston Red Sox. Yep. Yep. He actually just left the facility. So. Oh yeah. Working out. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Uh, yeah. Thanks so much, Mickey. And, um, I'm sure we'll, we'll catch up soon. Thanks. If you're a baseball player or if you just enjoyed this episode, don't forget to go over to headsandtails.org backslash podcast backslash 15 to find videos on preventative exercises and also warm-ups to strengthen your arm. Uh, also, I included some links up to Annex Sports Performance Center if you want to work with Mickey. Uh, that is, unless you want to be a can't-hack-it panty waist who wears their mama's bra. But that's up to you. I don't know about you guys, but this episode put me in the mood to watch some Sandlot.